We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. And the Honorable Jed Lovejoy. Honorable. Whatever. Um, We are glad that you are here with us watching again. Um, I'd like just to ask a request. If you're someone who listens to our podcast, go ahead, take a moment and review it. If you don't currently listen to our podcast, but you watch online and have access to podcast type stuff, if you could go search us out, be that on Apple Podcasts or whatever, but especially there, take a moment to review us. It does help to get our podcast out to additional people in the audience. Those reviews, those personal notes really catch people's eye and kind of boost us in the algorithm or whatever. We've done a good job of building up our YouTube channel, and so just kind of want to add a little boost over there on the podcast side. So. Okay. Yeah, anyway. I have no idea what he's talking about, but anyway, do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. All right, so we've been working through our books of the Bible and everything, but we're going to take a short sidetrack. Last week we were talking about 2 Corinthians, and it's this kind of personal plea from a minister to his congregation, so to say. Mm-hmm. And we've had it brought up in the past that there's a lot of detailed explanations and qualifications for other, you know, leadership positions in the in the elders church. Elders and deacons, yeah. etc. Yeah. But there's not so much a what does it take to be a preacher type statements. Well, there really is. It's just not put in the same format. In fact, there mm-hmm. are three entire letters in the New Testament from the Apostle Paul that are written to preachers about what preachers are supposed to do. Okay. And in those letters, there are a series of imperatives or commands from mm-hmm. Paul to the minister. So let's just briefly take a walk through. Okay. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 3 and 4. Let's just uh, read 3 and 4. All right. He says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. All right, and if you'll couple that with, go over to chapter 6 and verse uh, 3. Mm-hmm. He says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings that accords with godliness, he is yeah, keep going. He's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for the controversies and quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. All right, so basically, number one, you're supposed to steer people away from from different doctrines other than the doctrines of Christ and the doctrines of, of godliness. Mm-hmm. 
and you're, you're to avoid all this constant controversy and steer the church to positive things. Positive things related to what Jesus and his apostles told us to do. Mm. Um, as the book goes on, he gives Timothy instructions in chapter 2 about how to conduct worship and in chapter 3 about other servants like elders, deacons, and the women yeah. that were in ministry. But notice he gives these instructions to Timothy to mm. order the church in this way. So okay. one of the things you could infer from this quite clearly is that uh, the evangelist was responsible for making sure the church, its worship, the servants were ordered uh, in the right way. And in 1 Timothy 5, about 22, somewhere around there, he's talking about being careful who he appoints as elders. Mm. Yeah. So this comes back to the giving of the, the qualifications. Okay. Then um, drop down to chapter 4 mm -hmm. and read 1 through 6 there. He, okay. Uh, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times some will depart from the faith and by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching demons, teachings of demons, the, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage, require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being or, trained... Or minister. Okay. <clears throat> good minister of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. All right. So it gives him some example of some bad teaching and gives him what he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then keep going there in 7 and 8. Okay. Having nothing to do with these, like we mentioned earlier, irrelevant, silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise to the present life and also the life to come. All right, so not only are you supposed to teach people these healthy, sound things from Jesus and the apostles, but you're to train yourself or exercise yourself okay. in godliness. So the two basic areas he is instructing Timothy is, number one, his teaching, number two, his own life. Mm. Now go down to verse 11 and 12, and he, he reemphasizes that. Yeah. Command and teach these things, being the stuff from Christ and the apostles. Mm -hmm. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. All right. See, that's the train yourself in godliness part. Mm. So you're going to teach good and right things, and you're going to live an example of good and right things. And then when he comes down here to verse 13, read 13, 15, and 16 there. Okay. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Oh, wait. What's preacher supposed to devote himself to? Ah, to reading and then to explaining and to teaching. Yeah, but... but is, is study and, and reading and teaching, is that really a legitimate use of the minister's time? If you, hmm. Hmm, That's interesting. Go okay. to 15 and 16. Practice these things. Devote yourselves to them so that, you all may, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now look at verse 16. Watch your life, yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the mm -hmm. train yourself in godliness. Yeah. And your teaching. Okay. And perse persevere in those things. And if you do this, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. There's his goal. Mm -hmm. Save yourself and your hearers. Yeah. 
through your teaching and through your godly life. Then he, he gives instructions about who to put on the support roles and about who to, how to deal with uh, elders if they sin and who to appoint. And then um, go down to, after he discusses money and the love of money mm -hmm. in verse chapter 6, verse 11. He says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness and gentleness. All right, so the love of money cannot be your guide, Timothy. You got to flee that, mm. pursue these things, which really goes back to train yourself in godliness. Yeah. And then he tells him to fight the good fight of faith and be faithful to the confession he made. Then verse 17 of chapter 6. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. All right. In other words, this is another thing he's supposed to teach. Mm -hmm. Then drop down to verse 20. Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. All right. So instead of getting involved in these other controversies, teach what Paul taught you, what you learned from Christ, and don't get involved in these controversies. So... Mm. Uh, basically, you could boil First Timothy down, be really diligent about your teaching, be really diligent about your example. Okay. All right. So having a preacher, if you're qualified for a preacher or whatever, you're going to be someone of good moral character. That's big time. And who is knowledgeable in the Bible. He's diligent in his teaching. And we're going okay. to quickly run through some others so okay. we won't miss something. Yeah. Uh, look at Second Timothy 1.8. Okay. 1.8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me the prisoner. All right, now drop down to 1.13. Mm -hmm. uh, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit which was entrusted to you. See, that's this teaching that was passed on by Paul to Timothy. Mm -hmm. All right, now go down to verse 2 of chapter 2. Okay. Uh, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Train other teachers. Mm, don't be the standalone. Train other teachers. Okay. All right. Now go to verse 15. Uh, 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So if you don't spend time in the word, you can't do that. Mm. Impossible. Yeah. All right, now go down to verse 22. Flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with the, those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Similar to 1 Timothy about his life. Yeah. Then read 23 and 24. Have nothing to do with the foolish, ignorant controversies that you know they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil. And one more. Uh, da, 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 da. 25. 25, that's where I was. Correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. All right, so you're not going to be a lover of controversy or strife. Mm -hmm. And even when you have to correct people, you're going to try to do it gently. And uh, But still, his his role is a teacher, mm -hmm. an a, uh, example of godliness, a, a corrector when necessary, 
Um, so, so should I'll toss out a question here as we keep going. Should a preacher be known as kind of the loud bully in the room or the area? No. Okay. He must be gentle. I think says. that's di a little different than yeah. some ways that things happen these days yeah, and, or and in the past. Some of us have to learn that over time, like me, but I'm trying. Uh, look at verse 14 of chapter 3. Okay. Uh, 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. You learned it from Paul. Now look at yep. chapter 4, verse 2, and read that one. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. All right. A preacher is a teacher. Mm -hmm. And he's supposed to do it when it's convenient and not convenient. And he's supposed to do different kinds of preaching. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to correct. He's supposed to rebuke. He's supposed to encourage. Yeah. Not one, but all of those. I was going to say, so it's almost saying don't leave anything out. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Now, a um, couple more, and we've, we can put this one in the can. Maybe. All right. I have a and couple you can, other questions. You can ask yeah. questions. <laughs> all right. Titus 1.5. This goes along with the instructions that were given to Timothy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint the elders in every town as I directed you. Which is the same task he gave to Timothy. Now, okay. uh, Titus 2, verse 1. Mm -hmm. uh, as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then he tells you what to teach the older men, the older women, the mm -hmm. young men, the young women. Lots more about moral living. Yep, and yep. then drop down to 2.15 of Titus. 2.15, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Sounds a lot like what he told Timothy. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Okay, avoid foolish controversies. This does sound familiar again. Genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. They are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. All right, so if you boil all these together and you just look at the imperatives in First and Second Timothy and Titus, mm -hmm. a preacher, a qualified preacher, is supposed to be a very good handler of God's Word who, who gives a lot of time to, to reading the Bible and teaching and preaching. And he's also supposed to... Uh, be an example to the believers of love and kindness and faith and purity and all those things. So live right and teach right. And if you do those things, you can say your, save yourself, First Timothy 4, 16, and those that hear you. Okay. Now, that's the biblical qualifications for preachers. Now, okay. your questions about okay. other things. Yeah, because a lot of times what we get into is, all right, we have qualifications for all these other people and we have a check mark and you have kind of the worldly idea of we want your resume and your qualifications. Mm -hmm. And if we always say, well, we need you to be a moral guy and a guy who knows God's word, that's a, a pretty just wide open space for other qualifications that we typically consider. Sure, we can, we can have everything from soup to nuts to suit the group that we want. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting to me the priorities people give to some things. Yeah. For example, um, Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 1, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring mm -hmm. unto you the mystery of 
Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Paul didn't speak like a Greek rhetorician. Right. But he was knowledgeable in God's word, and he just told them what happened in Jesus and what God had done in Jesus. But mm-hmm. they would rather in Corinth have had somebody that was trained in Greek rhetoric that would sound right. Yeah, they would fit their way of speaking and teaching and all that. Yeah. So I guess that's where, when we start looking at preachers, is there necessarily... Like I say that very carefully. Is there necessarily any gain for having someone who has been to a preaching school or a college or whatever over a guy who he's been very devoted to studying God's word, but he's had you know? It depends a job. on the congregation, and it depends on on this person and whether they really are a godly person and whether they're sound in the word. If that congregation is fine with that person and he can really teach and everything, then no problem. However, you know, Paul also said he became all things to all men so that he might by all means save some. Mm-hmm. If you're going to talk to people that are mainly white-collar professionals, you probably need to speak their language, and that's that's probably someone who can, who can uh, talk at least on their educational level and can... But I think many congregations care much more about how how he looks in a suit and and how he speaks than mm-hmm. what he's actually saying yeah. and whether it really is. You know, there are a number of quote ministers that I know that have graduated college and they've had very little mm-hmm. experience with the actual text of the Bible and their their view of what a minister is supposed to do is more culturally shaped yeah. than it is by these things here. Could we flip it around and say there might be someone who's really good at speaking to a white collar audience because of their education or background or whatever who may not be best for serving in a rural community of, sure. of any size sort of well, thing? Well, it depends on the person again. There are many humble people that are well-educated that could serve in a rural community, but they'd have to be able to get their hands dirty and put a pair of jeans on and go mm. out and mix with people, you yeah. know, like in Oklahoma where you're from. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the sort of thing that I think what we're kind of getting at is if you fit the two main qualifications, you can then search for men who fit the vision or direction or the people group of your church as long as they still hold to the two main things. Yes. Unfortunately, though, yeah, many times churches that are looking for preachers, the last thing that they think about is those two main things. Mm. The yeah. first thing they think about is... Is he married? Does he have kids? Yeah, is, is he, he married? Does 30? he have kids? And <laughs> is he... Is he you know, does he present himself well? All those things are, I'm not saying those are not important. Those are important. Sure. They have and their value. They have their value. Yeah. But um, if if we want the biblical qualifications for evangelists, mm-hmm. uh, another thing we might point out, and I know we don't have a lot of time, is that is what are preachers supposed to do with yeah. their time? Yeah. And that prescription is often very different than what you see yeah. Right here. There's a lot of things that are good for a preacher, a preacher, a minister to do, but they may not be best for his time. Well, if if he's not doing these things quite a bit. Yeah. So maybe better to say if he's not having the study of God's word and the teaching as the foundation to build all those other things on. Yes. And that becomes the last thing he does. Yes. And preachers should 
visit people in hospitals and be kind to people and serve people and all those things. But if that's all they do, they are not preachers like God has mm. told them to do because somebody, somebody has to lead the church in the teaching of God's Word. Mm. And that's what a preacher is supposed to do. Interesting. We could get a lot more into maybe how the preacher has become stationed in one place versus all the traveling. Maybe yeah. that's for another discussion. Well, real for... quickly, um, okay. you know, Paul spent a year and a half in Corinth. He spent three years in Ephesus. Mm -hmm. Of course, Paul was an apostle itinerant, but uh, Philip, it looks like, spent like 20 years in Caesarea. And uh, there's no, you know, who knows how long Timothy's been in Ephesus. It may have been a long time. John evidently spent a long time in Ephesus hmm. later on. So there's no set amount of time that a preacher is supposed to spend in one place. But when, wherever he is and for however long he is, he needs to do these things. That's the idea. Okay. Maybe that prompts some questions that you have. Maybe you're one of those people out there that you've had to look for a preacher in your congregation or you're currently looking and you've probably run into these questions or sat around a table and had to discuss what do we consider the qualifications of the preacher we're looking for or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's a difficult thing because, I mean, yeah, we can go through the books and see kind of what Paul presented to these young ministers and different things, but it's not as, we don't get... The section on elders, the section on preachers, and so... No, it's yeah. it's just the imperatives throughout those books. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So so he wrote, he wrote a couple of chapters on characteristics of elders, deacons, and women who serve in the church. Mm -hmm. Titus 1, 1 Timothy 3. Yeah. But he wrote three whole books mm. on what preachers are supposed to do. It just doesn't, it doesn't get the headache. <laughs> I know, I know. It doesn't get that easy. Oh, yeah, this is definitely where it is. And then if you throw yeah. Second Corinthians in there, you've got four books. So, yeah. Anyway. So hopefully that prompts some thoughts, some questions. Feel free to shoot them our way. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.